Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Matt Shapiro. You probably know the parable of the blind men and the elephant, that there were four blind men out for a walk and they came upon this creature and they weren't quite sure what it was. And one of them felt at the front and he said, oh, it's sort of like flexible and, and a little soft, but it feels like, like tissue. Oh, I, I, think, I think this is a snake. The next blind man feeling one of the legs said, oh, it's very solid and, and wide around and it, and it feels very strong. This must be a tree. Blind man who someone wa- somehow wound up on top of the elephant feeling, feeling the elephant's ears. Oh, these feel very thin and it must be a tree with very, very big leaves. Blind man in a very dangerous position in the back feeling the elephant's tail. Oh, it's, it's soft, it's fluffy. Oh, this must be a feather duster, right? The idea being that no one of the men could in and of themselves uh, determine what uh, this was. And then in talking to each other that they were somehow able to um, gather uh, enough intel, as it were, to determine, ah, okay, this, this must be an elephant. We didn't all quite know exactly what this was, but, but working together, we can figure out, yes, this, this must be an elephant. I apologize in advance that, that I'm going to ruin a little bit um, of a something for you, but I hope it's worth it in the context of this drush and in hopes that you'll check it out for yourselves. Um, Last week, I watched a really, really remarkable show um, on, it's posted on Hulu called In and of Itself, um, created and performed by a man named Derek Delgadio. I, I'm going to intentionally tell you very, very little about the show because I knew almost nothing about it when I watched it. And the less you know about it going in, the better. It's well worth your time. Check it out. I would love to discuss it with you. But I'm going to pull one small piece from it um, that I think reflects something interesting about this Parsha, and hopefully it's, it's interesting enough to you that'll encourage you to check it out as well. He presented the parable that I just shared with you, and he asked a question about it that I never thought about before, which was, what was the elephant experiencing? How did it impact the elephant to have these men sort of walk up to it and start poking around and trying to figure out what it was, right? What's the elephant's experience? And then how does it impact, we'll say it's a male elephant, how does it impact him to hear him being discussed in his component parts, knowing that he is more than any one of those things, right? Each one of us, to to pull that out a little bit, each one of us is more than any one of our component parts. We hold different roles. We are different uh, people um, with different people in our lives, right? And there is something unifying who we are that that we still can never quite fully uh, express or have seen to, to any one person, even if we can know it ourselves, right? Going back to the elephant, the elephant has, has a collar, gray, presumably, although the blind men don't know either way. And there's no way they can tell. There are going to be certain pieces that they just miss. Pulling that back to ourselves, there are always going to be certain elements of who we are in the world that are quite clear, that are clearly revealed. And there are certain pieces that are just concealed, hidden, not readily visible to everyone, maybe even anyone around us, that only we can hold. 
And so this idea of revelation and concealment and the experience of any one individual and the way in which a group of people can try to arrive at some collective truth is, of course, particularly interesting on the week when we read Parshat Yitro. As we just heard, chanted beautifully, that we receive this revelation collectively at Mount Sinai, and we still remember it all these years later, we're taught, of course, that all of us were there, right? If you're on this Zoom right now, if you're watching it on YouTube, if you're listening to it on a podcast, you and me and everybody, we were all there together, which, of course, leads to the question, okay, well, what, what, was, that, what was that experience like? Right? What was it like to be there at Mount Sinai? What did we receive collectively? And I'll ask also, what did we receive individually? Because if you think about just the image itself, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of us there all, all around this mountain with the lightning and the thunder and the smoke and so on. And we're each in different positions, right? If you're at a concert, and you're all the way at the front, and I'm all the way in the back, the music's going to sound a little different, no matter how great the sound mix is, right? The music's going to sound a little bit different. If you're at a play, if you're at a performance, and I have a front row seat, and you're all the way in the back, you're going to see something a little bit different, right? That's just how it is. So you could possibly start to think about how the experience of Revelation is a little bit different for each person who was there. And Rashi pulls on a, on a turn of phrase, an interesting turn of phrase that we see over the course of this narrative, because in chapter 20, verse 15, there's this really interesting phrase that, that the people, ro'im et ha-kolot, that they saw the sounds, they saw the voices. And Rashi really leans into that, and he says, they saw that which should be heard. It's this synesthetic moment where they can actually see the words sort of playing out in front of them. But if I'm seeing something different because I'm just a little bit over from you, that means then, taking it to its logical conclusion, that the revelation is a little bit different for me than it is for you, which begs all kinds of really interesting questions. And I'll, I'll add that as I was following along, as Isaac was beautifully chanting, um, Aserat Hadibrot, there's this really interesting, I want to look into this Midrash much more carefully after uh, Shabbat, um, a quote from uh, Pirkei de Ravi, uh, Rav Kahana. Um, it says, God is like a mirror. The mirror never changes, but everyone who looks at it sees a different face. This idea that there is something unchanging, and yet when we look to that which is revealed, because we're each different, there is something holy and something inevitably different about what that experience is. There's an author who I've started reading a bit that I've been finding very interesting and and challenging and uh, exciting. Um, His name was, he passed away a few years ago, Rabbi Shimon Gershon Rosenberg. He's known as Rav uh, Rav Shagar, it's an acronym for his name. There's a lot of really interesting elements of his thought. He was an Orthodox rabbi who wrote in Israel, but he brought in all sorts of really interesting pieces from outside conventional sources to try to integrate them and speak um, to to our current condition as, as we are living. And he talks a lot about the challenges and opportunities presented by the 
gaps and overlaps in a sense of of relatively traditional religious life and postmodernism. Um, we could spend a time, I'd love to spend a lot of time going to a whole seminar right now about what postmodernism is and isn't and how it does and doesn't o- overlap with the Jewish tradition. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do that to you. We don't fully have the time for that, but just to speak to it briefly, postmodernism coming out of modernism, right? Modernism, that which was birthed by the late 18th century, scientific revolution, the idea that through science and through ideology and refining ideas, we can arrive at one specific concrete truth, that there is an answer to every question. We can get to a, a logical answer to any question that is asked. And that on the heels of all that happened over the course of the 20th century that showed the pitfalls and, in fact, um, horrible consequences that can emerge by holding to one specific ideology as truth, an idea of postmodernism came about that really exploded that notion to talk about how things are much more fragmented and relative than you might have otherwise um, thought they were, that it's much more about individual experience, that it's, it's really, really difficult, if not impossible, to get at one single experience of the world, one single experience of truth. Um, I saw it summarized well in this line, this idea that, that reality is ultimately unknowable, that, that you can't get to, to the true essence of what something is. It's, it's just too difficult. Um, and so Rav Shagar works with this idea, and, and it's a particularly interesting <clears throat> lens when he talks about revelation. Um, Kenji, can, can we pull up the slide here for a sec, if you're able? Um, I have learned through my work in the Parsha class with Rabbi Schatz that when I'm, when I'm giving a quote uh, of, of some depth and length that might be a little confusing to figure out, it's, it's good to have it uh, for those of us who are visual learners and not just to read it. Rabbi Schatz, is that good? Great. Excellent. Very, very good. Okay. So I'm going to read this through and I'm, I'm going to leave it up as I, as I try to break it down a little bit. These are just a couple of sentences of a pretty dense piece, but, but hopefully it's going to get us where, where we're trying to go. So here's what he writes. All truths may be the product of human conditioning, but such conditioning constitutes the medium through which the divine manifests in the world. Pause there. That is to say that, yes, it's true that we as people in the world, um, it's not a fully uh, clear glass, right, to to bring in an idea from our tradition that Moses was the one person who saw God through that clear lens, and the rest of us don't have that, right? It's all filtered through our own experience. And that's how it is. That doesn't mean that we can't experience something wholly divine. That, that's just the way God appears in the world is through human conditioning. And truth, truth is still possible even through that less than quote unquote perfectly clear unquote form. The pluralist believer does not shy away from using the revelation metaphor Though he knows there are varying and conflicting revelations, the contradictions do not paralyze him. If that's true, that it's going to be imperfect, wait a minute, that means it's going to be a little different for everybody. How can we talk about revelation if it's going to not be the same for everyone because of who we are and because of our conditioning? To which Rav Shagar says, okay, okay. 
you can have a sense that it's a little bit different for everybody and truth is still revealed. There are contradictions. Yep. We're all going to see things a little bit differently and some of us might see things very differently. That's okay. That doesn't mean that revelation didn't, doesn't, will, will not happen. It's still possible. Last sentence, human constructs are true creations, manifestations of God in a world that is filled with his glory. So then he pushes that forward even one step further. It's not just that it's, okay, what are you going to do? That's the best we've got. He'll say, actually, even more so, this is how God is revealed in the world, is through these human constructs that have inevitably human conditioning. And that's the way in which that's how God is revealed through and into the world, is through us, even in our limited form, especially through our limited form. Just it's the form that we've got. And that's how we experience revelation in the world. And I think... This, for me, this is a really help. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Hopefully you haven't gone cross-eyed as we've gone through this. Um, I think it's a really interesting lens through which we can talk about this challenging idea of the individual experience of revelation balanced with a sense that we were all there communi- communally, right? The, the very first paragraph or the very first commandment and the reason that quote is in the Yitzchayim Kumash is because it says, Anuchi Adonai Elohecha. Singular, one, right? Not Elohechem, Elohecha. There is an individual experience of revelation. It was a little bit different for all of us because that's how truth is revealed to the world through each one of us, right? There is something that is inherently specific, um, distinct through that's the way in which revelation happens. And yes, because the whole world is filled with God's glory, that's how God is revealed in the world. Okay, I think that's been up there for long enough. Rabbi Schatz, was that up there for long enough? Great, okay. So Kenji, we can pull that back down. This begs a whole host of questions. This this doesn't solve anything. I think it's a helpful perspective, but it still leaves a lot of questions on the table. There's, of course, the the challenge of fragmentation. Okay, so it's different for everyone. How, How do you then hold the whole thing together, right? If it's different for everybody, What's, what's the common thread? What, how can the center hold if, ah, revelation is different, it's different for everybody? Now, we know that there are uh, also in our tradition a lot of questions about, okay, what was actually revealed at Sinai? And different opinions, have, right? Some say it was just the first two of the commandments. Some say it was actually the first letter of the first commandment, which is Aleph, which, of course, makes the sound... Yes, very good. Thank you for participating from home. It, it doesn't have a sound, right? That they just heard nothing. And that experience was, was the totality of revelation. I'm going to push it in a different direction. I'm going to say, suggest, offer, that maybe what's remarkable about the Ten Commandments and maybe the reason why those are the Ten that we hold is because even and especially Though the experience of revelation was different for everyone, everybody got those 10. That my experience and your experience and her experience and his experience was was all different because that's just what the experience of revelation in the world is. And if you think about the, the world's largest Venn diagram, at the center are the 10 commandments and everyone at least had that. 
that those pieces were still shared by everyone. And that's why it's emphasized in the narrative of Revelation. Even on the other side of the mountain, even if you're all the way over there, you still heard that piece and I still heard that piece too. So then what I would offer for us today as the words from Sinai reverberate is that hopefully those 10 still hold for all of us, right? To go through the 10 commandments and say, is there still collective agreement on those 10 holding for all of us as a people that yes, we can, whatever our differences are, we can look at those 10 and say, you might think this, I might think that, but these 10, we still agree on that there is a power greater than uh, us that brings us closer to freedom, that we should be mindful and hold holy boundaries in our relationships, that we should be grateful for what we have, that we have to tell the truth, that it's important to take holy boundary time for each of us individually and collectively, that we should honor and respect our parents and those who came before us, right? Hopefully those 10 still hold. And right now that feels difficult. It feels to me still extremely different, difficult to say, yeah, there can be a shared consensus amongst thousands and thousands of people of what truth is and about what ethical and holy behavior is. That feels really difficult right now. Hopefully we're moving in the right direction and it still feels really challenging. And so I would offer the hope that those 10 still hold and we can build from there even though it was a little bit different for all of us, we've at least got that core. And I would offer also that even if it's not those 10 anymore, maybe we can still say, okay, that needs to be adjusted, but we've been there before and we can get there again. It might not be those 10. It's simpler if it is. I hope it is. But what I'll offer is even if it's not, the miracle of revelation was twofold. One was the fact, going back to Rav Shagar's comment, that revelation is the way in which God comes into the world despite our individual differences. So the first miracle is that it happened, that we had this experience altogether of what revelation is, was, and will be for ourselves. And the second miracle was that we held that common ground, knowing how individualized revelation can be. And so given that we experience that twofold miracle altogether, even if it has become increasingly challenging to find that shared truth, I hope and I have faith that there is still enough shared experience in our collective revelation that reverberates to this day, that we can build from our individual experiences of what that was and is to keep holding us together to find that shared revelation as we move forward from the mountain into the rest of our journey. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.